Good morning, Origins. It is great to be back with you one more week from this undisclosed location. Starting next week, be sure to tune in at 9.30. We will be live from the Old Cigar Warehouse uh, with no audience yet. It is our first step uh, in our process to regathering, so be on the lookout for that news, but be sure to be there at 9.30 a.m. And by there, I mean on your couch, watching however you've been watching, uh, because we will have a band, we'll have full worship. It'll look like any other Sunday before COVID, except you'll be on your couch. We look forward to seeing you. We look forward to uh, the process in which we, we've begun to lay out to regather. Um, but in the meantime, keep doing what we're doing. Uh, continue to be community even while we're scattered, um, but we're getting closer and closer. Thank you for being so patient. Thank you uh, for still being engaged. Thank you for being family uh, during these difficult times. This morning, uh, we are excited to have Pastor Stephen teaching this morning. Um, so be sure to st stick around and we look forward to getting back together soon. Let me pray, and uh, we'll move into worship. God, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you uh, that in the midst of all of these things, you have continued to be king. Uh, the status of lordship that rests on Jesus has not changed. And God, you've continued to build family where family was not. Thank you, God, for being so gracious. Father, this morning, as we look at your word, uh, I pray that you would be faithful to teach us, to grow us, to shape us into children that look more and more like Jesus and to the body of Christ that should be represented by the church. Thank you for being God. Thank you for loving us. And thank you for making us your kids. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Hebrews 6, 9 through 12. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints, as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Well, good morning, Origins family. Uh, so glad to see uh, all of you guys, especially those visiting with us this morning. If you have your Bible, I would invite you to join me in First Peter. You guessed it right. First Peter chapter 2. We're going to be spending the majority of our time uh, in verses 11 uh, through 25. And so I'll give you a moment to kind of find your place, and then I'll pray for us, and then we will dive in for uh, our discussion this morning. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity. We thank you, God, for taking care of us over the last couple months. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the ability to be able to hear from your word, to hear uh, just some of our church family read scripture, uh, to be able to worship you. Father, um, although we are scattered, we are very much together. And so, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for being in our midst, for continuing to teach us, continuing to take care of us. Uh, Father, we just pray for the upcoming weeks as we uh, begin to phase back into what uh, maybe somewhat normal looks like, that you would continue to protect us and give us wisdom as to how to proceed um, and how to love our community and our city well in the midst of everything that's going on. But we love you. Pray, Father, that you would speak through your word this morning, God, and that you would use it to edify us, to change us, to make us more like your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Uh, so this morning, uh, I want us to kind of uh, talk a little bit about what it looks like for Christians to live a life that is set apart, set 
apart. We're going to notice several ideas from Peter's passage just in chapter 2 uh, this morning. And then although he's kind of talking about a number of different things, they're all going to point us to this same main idea. And that is what it looks like for Christians to be set apart and why it's important for us to be set apart. If you want to join me in uh, verse 11, chapter 2, verse 11, Peter starts off by saying, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. So Peter reminds us that we are a people uh, that are called out of this world. But here's the thing. Even though we're called out of this world, we are not brought out of this world. So in other words, uh, when Jesus, uh, when he came into my life and he saved me, you know, he, I was completely and utterly forgiven of all of my sin. And then Jesus said, go and sin no more. But uh, he left me here in this world uh, completely and utterly filled with sin. And so what's crazy is, you know, why, uh, why would the Lord do that? Why would he forgive me of my sin, ask me to go and sin no more, but then leave me here in a world filled with sin? Why would he demand holiness right? Which is God's standard for all believers. Why would he uh, demand that holiness uh, while being left in a world filled with such darkness? Well, one of the reasons is because we are called to live a life that is different from the rest of the world. We are called to live a life that is set apart. Uh, And when we do this, then people, uh, those who are outside of the family of God, are going to notice and they're going to ask. They're They're going to demand a reason for the way that we live the life uh, that we do. Um, and so that is why we, we do this. And if we, if we continue in, in, uh, in verse 12, uh, he continues on and he says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And so we see point blank, God has created his people to live a life that is set apart. We see this in the Old Testament um, examples of, uh, we see the Ten Commandments with the first four commandments being how we should relate to God, and then the last six being how we should relate to one another. Uh, the Lord also uh, provided his people in the Old Testament with, uh, with, with hundreds of laws, both moral and civil laws. Moral laws, how we should live as individuals personally, And then also civil laws, how we are to to live a life uh, with each other and how we are to engage um, each other. And so he gave us these laws. And so, you know, know, why why such a high standard of living? Why would the Lord demand so much from us? Why would he ask us to live uh, this certain way? Was it to to create just um, uh, an unreachable expectation so he can punish us? Absolutely not. He wouldn't do that. He was, he was, what he was doing was uh, he was using the law, he was using the Ten Commandments and the moral and civil laws through the Old Testament to set his people apart. The law was never meant to save us. Uh, it was never meant for, you know, for us to earn salvation. Uh, it was only meant to contain sin for a bit, uh, but then also set, uh, to, for God to set his people apart, to set his nation apart. Israel from all the other nations while they waited for the Messiah to come and ultimately change their hearts. And so that's what they were waiting on. Uh, God was making an example of his people to be a witness to nations who did not know 
God. And that is what we see through the life of Israel. And then in the New Testament, we see Jesus, uh, you know, told us that the law is summed up in this, that we love the Lord our God with all, of, with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and then we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And then later on in the Gospels, Jesus says that uh, the people, those who are not with you or, or a part of the church, they will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. And so in doing this, Jesus is even trying to create Um, He's trying to set his people apart. And in doing so, God is going to draw more men, women, and children into his family through the examples that we as believers are living. And that's a life that is set apart, that is above reproach, and that is blameless. Um, Let's continue on. Peter continues on in uh, chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. He says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution whether it be to the emperor as supreme or the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. And so I'm not certain, but, uh, you know, this is, this is the practical, uh, this is the practical on the ground, uh, way in which we live a life that is set apart. And that is by being good citizens, uh, by doing good and using our freedom to live as servants of God. Uh, so, you know, I'm not certain, but, uh, if, if, uh, after reading verses 13 through 14, I may have gotten a couple of thumbs down. Uh, so I need, to, I need you to hear me say this first, that we are not first and foremost Americans. We are not first and foremost Americans. If you have been called by God out of darkness into light, you are first and foremost a citizen of God's kingdom. You are not first and foremost an American citizen. You are first and foremost a part of God's kingdom. His nation is our first allegiance, the nation of God. We are Christians first, and we are Americans second, which means that we don't just simply do what the government asks us to do if what they're asking us to do contradicts God's word. That's why in in Scripture we see God's people are thrown into uh, lion's dens, they're thrown into furnaces, they're put to death, they're tortured. And it's because the believers that we see here, uh, they were first citizens to God's kingdom, not first citizens to the government. And because of that, they were punished for this. But as much as scripture allows us to, we are called to be good citizens of where we live. We are called to be good citizens. Now, I'm not saying that you you hang an American flag up in your front lawn. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, that you should... Uh, but what I am saying is that we should always be, we should always seek to do good for our country, which means that looks like praying for our leaders daily. Something that I struggle with, something that I need to do more of is praying for um, our presidents, our governors. Uh, we should be praying for our leaders, our mayors. Uh, we should be voting. Go vote. Use your opportunity and your freedom that you have to vote. Um, If you don't like the way decisions are being made, get involved. Join your HOA. Join your your city council. Get involved 
and, and be a part of the solution um, of making the place that you live a better place. Be a good citizen of where you live. Next, we see in verse 15, uh, Peter says, uh, For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should, put the si- you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. So he's saying, always seek to do good, because your good works will shut the mouths of fools, in other words. Uh, Kaylin and I, uh, we just recently moved uh, houses. We moved into uh, a different house in a new community. Uh, but the house that we used to live in, in our old community, we had fantastic neighbors. We loved our neighbors. Uh, they're going to be one of the biggest things that we missed about where we lived. And um, specifically, uh, the neighbors that lived right next to us uh, were two gentlemen. Uh, they were absolutely some of the best neighbors that we've ever had. Uh, they were super fun and easy to talk to and have conversations with. If we went out of town, they would hold our mail for us. Um, they would pressure wash our driveway at times as well if they were doing some work on their house. And so they were always going out of their way to, to love us and to be good neighbors to us. And so we loved we loved our neighbors. And, and we're going to miss these guys uh, so much. Um, and, and it just so happened uh, that they were a homosexual couple. And so, you know, for, for they knew that uh, Kaylin and I were both Christians, and they knew that I was a pastor. It took me a little bit longer to tell them that I was a pastor, not because I was ashamed, uh, but because you know I was a little bit nervous of what they thought I might think about them. Um, but you know, me and Kaylin, we we did all that we could to to love them uh, well, to show kindness towards them, to be good neighbors, and to build um, a strong relationship with these guys because they were just amazing uh, people. And so, um, you know, because, you know, to be honest, you know, a lot of Christians um, and even pastors in in today's world are are oftentimes seen as being uh, homophobic or even showing hatreds towards the gay community. Um, And so for me and for Kaylin, our desire was that, you know, if at any point in time, if um, if our neighbors, if they um, had a, a conversation or something was said to them or around them about, you know, Christians or believers, you know, all being uh, homophobic or, or, or hating the gay community, we wanted them to be able to say, no, that's not, that's not true because we used to live next to Christians and they were some of the most loving, most kind people that we knew. And in fact, one of them was even a pastor. And so this is you know, one of those ways that we wanted to show love and to show kindness in order to uh, put to silent, uh, you know, you know, empty words or, or lies or, or ignorance um, in doing that. Um, and so, you know, did we, you know, you know, celebrate or did we agree with, you know, the lifestyle that, you know, that they were living? Uh, no, but that didn't matter because we loved them, uh, we received them, and we respected them as people. Um, another example, you know, this also means is as we're living, uh, being trying to be good citizens and doing good uh, here, that also means that we uh, should extend love to those who feel torn down, uh, silenced, marginalized. Um, man, if you're if you're someone who believes that racism ended uh, with the civil rights movement, then it's time to wake up. Uh, we have to uh, be people that are willing to be a voice for those who have no voice. Um, man, we have to, you know, those who say that maybe you're not even affected uh, by, you know, racism or that hasn't even happened around you or you haven't experienced any of that, well then, 
you know, it's probably a good time to, uh, to really accept and acknowledge your privilege and then do everything that you can to understand, to have a conversation, um, and to love on those whose experiences are the opposite and quite different. Um, and so this is what it looks like. This is a good example of what it looks like for doing good and using your freedom to be a servant of God. And that looks like loving, seeking to understand, and be a voice to those who don't have a voice, those who are torn down, those who are marginalized, those who are looked as, uh, who are looked over. Another way uh, that we live set apart uh, is by uh, reframing the way that we view suffering. Let's look at chapter 2, verses 17 through 20. It says this, it says, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only uh, to the good and to the gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do, uh, but when you do good and suffer for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. And so we have to reframe the way that we even view suffering. In this text, Peter discusses two ways uh, that someone might experience suffering. The first way that someone might experience suffering is through uh, their own sin or through their own uh, foolishness or through their own stupidity. Uh, to be quite blunt. And so, you know, if you are uh, committing a crime, if you're doing something that, uh, that you know, that puts you uh, into a situation where you get arrested or you have to go to jail, well, then, you know, you should expect to suffer the consequences of that. And in fact, there's nothing really honorable about going to jail for committing a crime. Like there's nothing respectable about that. And so, you know, and in doing that, I can even, you know, there's some people that might even pull out the God card where, you know, they use God as a way to justify their actions or, or their attitude, which might end up putting them into prison, but they're still, you know, committing a crime or breaking the law. And so one way that you can suffer is you can suffer as a fool. You can suffer as uh, somebody who uh, is, is victim to your own sin or your own foolishness. But then the other way that you might suffer uh, in this world that Peter talks about is suffering as a saint, which means your suffering uh, is a cause of following Jesus and obeying his commandments. And so um, as Christians living in America, like we should always honor God first, like what we talked about earlier, and then honor our government second, which means if our country puts uh, laws in place that don't contradict the commands of God, then we obey the government the best that we can because you know we're acknowledging the fact that when we're good citizens and we're obeying government we're acknowledging the fact that God put certain leaders in a position to make these decisions for us and we're trusting that God is going to take care of us if we are obedient to them but then uh, you know but you know if they are telling us to do something that God forbids uh, then we obey God and we don't obey government. We have to be able to see the difference between that. And if we suffer for this, if we suffer because we're putting God's kingdom first and we're refusing uh, to contradict his word and his commandments, then it's then Peter says that our suffering is actually honorable. If we suffer for this, if we're punished for this, um, then, we, then this should be considered honorable because it is a result 
of being obedient to God. It's a result of following after him. And in that, uh, we uh, should rejoice. Let's continue on uh, here in uh, verse 21 through 23. It says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who justly, who judges justly. And so, you know, this is, this is how Jesus suffered. He didn't suffer because uh, he was a fool. He suffered because he always put God's agenda before his own. And he always put God's agenda before government's agenda. And so, you know, when we suffer, um, if we're suffering as believers in Christ, you know, one of the questions that we should be asking, are we suffering in the same way that Jesus left an example for us? Are we putting God's agenda first or are we putting government or our, or our own agenda before God's? And so, you know, suffering, uh, you know, if I'm suffering, am I truly living in obedience to God? You know, uh, Peter tells us to endure suffering because it will be a testimony of our faith. And when we suffer, uh, and then we will suffer because Jesus suffered, we should respond in the same way in which he did. And don't miss this. This is so encouraging because when we see the fact of how Jesus suffered from, you know, from, from, from birth to death and, and, and just the way that he suffered all the way up into the point of, of being arrested and tried um, and crucified and hung on a cross, we see all this. Um, just noticing and, and just meditating on the way that Jesus suffered, uh, it leaves us with this amazing truth. And that's the fact that Jesus emphasizes with our suffering. Je we, can, we can take our suffering to Jesus because Jesus knows what it's like to suffer. We, he emphasizes with us. He understands. And so, you know, that's an encouragement to us because then in times where we are suffering, in times where we are experiencing tremendous stress or, or a tremendous burden, uh, when we feel that like there's times where we just cannot make it through uh, situations or even make it through life, we have a God who emphasizes with our suffering because he suffered as well. And so as a response to that, we have to take our suffering, take our burdens, take our stress, and take it to him because he's the only one capable of handling that uh, those things. He's the only one that can hold on to that suffering. He's much better at doing that than we are. And in fact, he's not asking us to do any of these things alone. He's never asking us to, to, to do good, to be good citizens, and to, and to suffer um, uh, joyfully by ourselves, He wants to come. He wants to help us do that. He wants to be a part and he wants to take those things from us. He wants to, he wants to hold on to those things for us. As I conclude, um, I just want to read uh, verses 24 and 25 over us as just a, um, uh, of, of a means of encouragement, but then also commissioning um, us as we go throughout our week and as we seek to live lives that are set apart for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of God's kingdom. Um, it's very encouraging. Um, I would encourage you to read along with me. It says in verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree 
that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Um, so as we go to this week, man, let's, let's live lives that are set apart. And we do that by being good citizens, by doing good and using our freedom to be servants of God, um, who by his suffering, uh, his suffering, his death on the cross granted us freedom. It granted us life in his name. And when, when suffering comes, man, let others see you suffer well uh, for the sake of of the kingdom of God, endure faithfully um, in thanking and taking it to God because he wants to go through that mess with you. Man, so um, I just want to encourage us with that. Live lives that are set apart, especially um, in days like today uh, where things just uh, seem a little uh, chaotic, abnormal. We don't really know exactly what's going to happen uh, next week if we're going to have another pandemic or a flood or another uh, uh, insect that everybody's terrified of. Like, we don't know what's coming, but let's continue to live lives that are set apart. Let's let other people, let's let those who are outside of the family of God see how the family of God lives in the midst of trials, in the midst of suffering. Man, let's see, let's allow people that are outside of the family of God see how we um, love one another, see how we um, are good citizens, to see how we pray for our leaders, how we get involved and make good change in the name of Jesus. And then hopefully more people, more men, women, and children will have opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel just like we have. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the writings of Peter, Lord, who encourages us to live lives that are set apart. Father, that you saved us, uh, that you changed us, that you did not leave us in our sin, Father, but you you took that from us, Father, that um, you have called us to live lives that are set apart, above reproach, blameless, Father, for the sake of more people coming to know you. Father, I pray that we would seek to do good always, that we would seek to be good citizens in the places that we live. Father, I pray that we would uh, reframe the way that we see suffering. Father, that we would suffer well for the kingdom. Uh, Father, that through that more people would have an opportunity to see you uh, just do an amazing work in our life. Father, no time is wasted, and you can use all of that time for good and for your glory. And so we love you. We thank you for your word. Go with us throughout this week as we seek to live lives uh, that are set apart for the gospel. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.